This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello and welcome to Front Office Features. I am Rob Crane, here with Chris Valente. Chris, hello. Hello, Rob. You know, I love you wearing that Giants hat. Well, I got me I, another bottle of booze. I, uh, I, yes, you did, uh, which was probably the, the least shocking outcome of all time. But got to support the boys, figured I'd wear the hat. They let me down, per usual. Every four years we win Super Bowls or something like that. So I, I, I don't know. I can't complain too much. But yes, it started out okay and went downhill quick. It did. It did. Let's talk more about that, but let's talk to our football friend, Mr. Greg Olson. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, so as we discuss the most important thing, the Steelers beating the Giants, uh-huh. uh, I'll say this. Um, the Steelers looked a little rusty in the beginning. Though, at the two-minute uh, two minute drill, uh, right before halftime, Roethlisberger looked like Roethlisberger. Yeah, so you, for those of you who don't know who he is, Mike Francesa is the credit for that because he sent, that? A, he sent out a tweet saying Roethlisberger looks like he hasn't played football in three years, let alone ten months. And sure as shit, he went on a tear <laughs> right from there. Right after that. And yeah, it went it went from okay to bad to ugly quickly for the Giants, but the the nineteen the nineteen play drive the nineteen play drive with a tip and the interception oh, on the goal line was oh, the death knell. That was like I just was like, all right, that's game over. It was game over, and that was game over. It was the yeah, that was it. You that said I texted you at that two minute drive, and you said game over before halftime was over. I, no, no, yeah, for sure. No, <laughs> I knew. Like you could just see it. Like the Giants came out with emotion. They played hard. They kind of like gave it their all, and they hung tough with the best D, probably one of the best D's in football. And then that was it. I mean, I think Saquon Barkley had like negative nine rushing yards, which I the think Steelers enveloped Saquon. I, I he, they they would say hike handoff, and he'd already be on the ground. It was I've, I've never seen anything like it. But I will say I was worried a little bit about watching the game, and you know not having fans and feeling something different. I didn't feel that at all. I just thought it from a television standpoint. I thought it was great. So I think and I was talking to someone else about this. The sport that translates the best to no fans because of the camera angles you don't typically see fans is football right so from a 
a sales perspective, right? The NFL is very mindful of any camera-facing advertising. Mm -hmm. Now the teams have camera-facing ads all over the place. Mm -hmm. Do you think post-pandemic that Mm -hmm. these brands will be able to be uh, camera-facing? No. And the reason is because they make that deal with the networks. So the networks, for all the money they spend to have the rights to broadcast the games, want to have the most valuable piece of inventory in a football game still be the advertisements. So that is one of the main reasons is to not devalue the network deal with which they get gazillions of dollars. So I I I don't think it'll change considerably. Um, because the network dollars are worth so much, but they probably got a little leeway given the fact that they had to come up with something to give sponsors value. What about the network um, stuff like they've seen in baseball, right? Like the Red Sox now have digitized logos that they're putting on the field and the technology is there. Why not have, have, have those integrate more part of the game more seamlessly? So, they do it so like there's a case, there's there's about a handful of games where we do the backstop becomes the virtual signage. We hate it, quite frankly. Um, our our team hates it. They they think it looks kind of the technology is just not there. Like the stuff that's on the mound doesn't always work well. We, even the sponsors who have gotten it, we did it all. It was like added value this year. They've even complained yeah. about it because they're like, eh, it didn't look that great. And you're like, yeah, well, it's free, so don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I. I MLB Network does it a ton. I don't know if you know if you if you recognize when you're watching MLB Network, you'd like see a big Chevy logo over the yeah, center right. field of Fenway. So it's here. Um, I just I don't know. It it's been discussed forever, like putting logos on the field, digital, and then like in the foul territories. I think we might see some different stuff moving forward because every team is so desperate for money at this point uh, and revenue. But I don't know. I. I don't know if we're there yet. We haven't even put logos on jerseys for the MLB, so we'll see. Uh, well, Nike swoosh. Um, well, yes. That was a big deal. Big deal. Um, so going back to logos on such. Uh-huh. So when I was in college at Springfield College, you know, the greatest college in all the land, mm-hmm. um, or close to it, right? I uh, had to do a re- report, a thing on, you know, generating revenue, I think it was on. And uh, what kind of unique ideas? Brainstorm some ideas. And this is maybe the first time it clicked. Well, maybe sales could be for me because I remember uh, going and I was doing it for like an arena football league team. And I said, they need to put an ad on the net that catches everything, right? So like the field goal net. Mm -hmm. And that was before then, I don't know, fast forward handful of years all state starts putting their hands hands right right there on the on all the college football nets and i remember seeing that for the first time i was like they stole my damn idea they stole my idea like why can't the nfl do that kind of stuff like that's not that it's not that intrusive obviously it would be a gigantic revenue generator you're telling me that that's going to take away from their 30 second spots when they're Mm -hmm. during the games um that's got to be incremental. Yeah, you'd have to get Fox. Why ESPN. am I mad at you? <laughs> I don't know. You'd have to get Fox, ESPN, and CBS, and Amazon, and all the people who have the rights to sign off on that. But don't you agree? Isn't it incremental? Why is it? 
Why, they, well, no, why is the it networks, not The networks feel like if you could get that through the team, you then don't have to go to them. Because if you're Allstate and you go buy those nets, do you necessarily need to buy advertisement from the network? Now, I'd say they're two totally different things, and I think it's kind of, I don't know, uh, antiquated, but that's the pro- that's the thought process. Or could you make them digitized where they are the network's advertising? Yeah, then uh, yeah, then you'd have to have the team. So that's the, that's the chicken and egg. We've talked about that. So like we would fight with Nesson or the Bruins fight with Nesson about putting competitors of, of said team, team, which so then if you have an exclusive like, bank, right? You, bank do you know America. how many people like when the NHL first started doing the behind the glass digital signage yeah. would call. Or be on Twitter saying how unfair it was for the fans that were sitting there behind the net to have to sit behind <laughs> signage. Like they were like, "This is insane!" Like I would never sit there because there's signs in the way. Like no, they're on TV, you dumbass. Like that's not like they're <laughs> that's not hilarious. They're not real. So yeah, yeah. Are those I, the same people when they see a baseball game and they put the digitized people in the outfield? Like how do those people get tickets? Yeah, no, that's probably <laughs> true. And they're the same people who literally go on Twitter and complain about the bottom line on Nesta. Be like, it's too big. You need to make it small. It's like, oh my god, like you have nothing better to do with your life anyway. Um, yeah, COVID. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, there's uh, it's it's. I mean, they're making so much money. I'm not going to tell the NFL what to do. Yeah, I it's guess just... they don't need a nickel and dime stuff. No, if, probably if that doesn't not. seem like a nickel or a dime. That seems like... no. It's a lot. It'd be a lot. Of, be I mean, lot that would be so. The, that's the thing. The valuation on those field facing banners or tarps, whatever you want to call them, they put up. Those Repucom numbers are going to be massive. Like, there's massive. 20 million people that watch the Texans. Um, the Texans. Uh, Chiefs game, which is well, those there are actually people in that game. I think there's like the two, one of the two stadiums that actually had f- fans, right? This oh, there's like sixteen thousand people. But uh, for anyone who doesn't know, Repucom is the tracking measurement that tells you the valuation of a sign based on the minutes it's on television with the quality that it produces, which gives you then a media value, a media equivalency of if if you had to go buy thirty second commercials to equivalent. Equivalent to that, so equivalent is that a word? I don't think so. I was stuck. <laughs> I, I was stuck, and I was like, I'm gonna make up this word. Uh, equate, equate. I think equate is the word equate, I was going equate for. Equate is a word. Equate is definitely so, a word. So equator is the equator, but um, so like we'll give a report to our partners at the end of the season, saying your sign got X amount of time on television, which equates to yeah, this, uh media equivalency of dollars so it's it's so asinine like look a green monster sign like backs out to like 15 million dollars of media value and you're like oh yeah but we charged you x like not even close to that for a sign right but um it just gives again more it goes back to data analytics everybody wants something to say oh look what i bought it's worth this so yeah a little peek behind the curtain on repucom that's good um before we get to the next thing um let's talk uh, a little bit about uh, bet online. So the wait is finally here. We were just talking about it, Chris. Football is back. You might not be at a game unless you were in, where is it, Kansas City and Jacksonville? I think so. Right. Yeah, I think I think Jacksonville's doing fans. But not Miami or the Dolphins? Uh, I don't, maybe. I'd have to look know. that up. I don't know. I just know maybe last week because Miami was in uh, New England. So maybe it was just last week. At least last week, it was K- 
Kansas City in Jacksonville. But anyway, uh, you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get it get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins and divisions and championship futures all day every day i'm pretty sure the steelers are now what probably even money to win the super bowl you think <laughs> no no probably you're going to you're going to have they're going to pay you if you bet on them what oh yeah probably yeah. um well yeah of course they're going to pay me <laughs> right cuz they're going to win did you make right? your bet yet did you make your bet yet no i don't bet on the steelers it's bad luck you just did. Well, <laughs> I guess not, not. You know, we kind of bet on the Steelers. <laughs> you just bet on the Steelers. <laughs> I don't bet on the right, Steelers. Totally... Bad luck. You just bet on the Steelers. You're right. You're right. I did. I did. <laughs> and I'm going to bet mm. on them again. Um, uh, what was I just talking about? Head to Bet Online today and take advantage <laughs> of all the great sign-up bonuses. Uh, don't forget to use the promo code BlueWire at BetOnline.ag. Uh, that's Blue Wire, all one word. Bet online, your sports book experts. By the way, what is .ag? Don't ask. I won't. You don't want to know. Okay. <laughs> I have to Google that now. It's not. It's probably not in this country. Is what I'll tell you. Oh, got it. That's right. <laughs> I have no idea. I'm just a guy trying to ask. I'm questions. just gonna throw that out there. Um. Anyway, moving on. Move. Move. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, two things. Two things. Deuce. So we'll it'll tr- these will be a, this will begin. Well, these will all correlate. Uh, I'm going to start using bigger words for the rest of this podcast to show that I'm not a complete moron and make up words. <laughs> you so, said your brains that hasn't been working recently. It's been fried. Uh, so Mush. the Mush. the New York Mets. Steve were, Cohen, billionaire. Steve Cohen. He is now the richest owner in baseball. By the way, that surprised me. Why is that? I don't know. Like, I think he's worth like nine what? billion or something like that. That's a lot of money. Yeah, fourteen billion or fourteen. That's 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 John Henry's like valued at like two point seven. So that's he's worth a lot of money. Huh. Maybe I maybe my billions are are, are off. But fourteen yeah. billion, pretty pretty good. <laughs> um. So the Mets were sold for a record two point four two billion dollars. It's incredible. Uh, the most. Uh, the highest franchise purchase of all time, surpassing, I think it was what the, North, the Rockets American sports team. Right? Yeah, the Rockets. I think was the, the next closest, yeah, right. or the Clippers. That that's just without be, uh, uh, without. That's what uh, I'm S- saying. With, without SNY. So what the hell are the Yankees and the Red Sox worth? Oh my God! Right. So if they like, include Nesson and yes, yeah, like unbelievable. I, if the Mets, no offense to the Mets, but if the Mets are 2.4 billion. Do they own the stadium? Yeah, they do. So, that was the other crazy part. The Clippers were sold for $2 billion with no stadium and no network. That was like crazy. So, uh, yeah, God knows what the Yankees and Red Sox are worth, or the Cowboys or the Giants or anybody at this point. And by the way, no pandemic um, discount, right? Well, it sort of was because he agreed originally. I don't know if you remember. He agreed originally to purchase the team at 26 and then they kind of he pulled out because he wasn't liking what was going on during the process. And then they went to this whole bid process where A Rod and J Lo got involved. Can you imagine? And then A Rod and J Lo got pissed yeah. off too because can you they imagine if they, they own the team? But um, 
Anyway, so the Mets were sold $2.42 billion without the network. Just, again, shows why people want to own sports teams. The valuations of these things are insane, whether they lose money on a yearly basis or not. But uh, I want to talk about 9-11 because that's weirdly 9-11 p.m. right now, as I just said that. Okay. That's weird. That is uh, weird. So 9-11 to a lot of folks means a lot of different things. Yep. It depends on, I think, where you are in the country and how it really affected you because it's, I think it's sometimes no different than when you hear about a natural disaster that's across the country and you're like, <clears throat> oh, that that's terrible, but you don't really feel it at home, right? Like it's... It's, it's different to when you right. lived in the area that we, we were in. Right. The wildfires are going on in Washington. We have yeah. a different perspective of the Completely. The and you're like, Washington. oh, that's terrible. But like, I don't wake up every day thinking about it because it's not in my backyard. So I think 9-11 somewhat has that same you cachet. You think so? 9-11 is different. I do because I've met people like uh, I, my cousins in California. They're kind of like, yeah, they, they, like how could it really have no, that can't be true. I think it's it 9/11. is. 9-11. 9-11 is like... I know, but like, it's just, it's different when you're Our like, generation's Pearl Harbor Day. Yeah, but think about it. We were, like, I was in New Jersey, could see New York, like, burning. So, like, what the hell was going on that day? If you were in Boston, if you were in the area that was, like, under attack versus living in Indiana, it's, diff- it's different, right? Like, it's, it's different. No, it's not. I don't think it so. Is. It can't be. It's, uh, this is not like a hurricane. No, I know it's not like I heard, but I'm saying what we lived in like the attack zone, like and all the people, like I knew people. But this who is died. different. Thousands of people were murdered. I understand, but I still think you have a different perspective if you lived in the area that had happened or knew people who died and all that other stuff. Either way, I digress. The Mets <laughs> were a huge part of recovering, right? right. Sports because sports. the Mike Piazza hit the walk-off home run, the whole thing. But you have a very unique 9-11 story as well. Yeah, right. So um, so I was in. I was the president of the Scranton Club, uh, the AAA affiliate of the Yankees. And uh, this was the first year, so 2013. And I got an email or a phone call from one of our season ticket holders. A guy's name is Mick Henry. And Mick, I like Mick. Um, and Mick was a good guy, and he was there all the time, and his son was a bat boy for us, and he was he was a good guy. But, you know, he would – I always – you know, sometimes when season ticket holders call, they call for, like, because, I don't know, minuscule things. Hot dogs are cold and, you know, beers are warm, and they want to spend an hour and a half talking about it. And he called and said he want to have a meeting. And I was like, all right, I'll have the meeting with you. But then something came up. And I thought it would be a better idea to skip the meeting with Mick, uh, give it to one of our, uh, he was the director of ticket sales at the time, and I said, we meet with Mick, um, and I got to go do something else. I have no idea what something else was. So Mick's background was, Mick was a retired New York police officer. Uh, he retired to the Poconos and was a season ticket holder, right? And him and his uh, wife, Donna, uh, and his son, uh, Michael, uh, Michael was a uh, a bat boy, right? And they were good, uh, like, great, right? So when they were going to talk, I thought nothing of it, literally nothing. Just thought they had wanted to talk, you know, shop or whatever. I get back from wherever the hell I was, and my director of ticket sales, Bob McLean, goes, uh, you got to call Mick. And I was like, like, what happened is, like, it's, I'm thinking, like, literally, like, hot dogs are cold, and it doesn't right. like the 
spreading on the chicken tenders. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he goes, talk to Mick. And he says, and here. He handed me a sheet of paper. This is bucket list. I called Mick. Mick has terminal brain cancer. And oh, uh, I was like, oh, right? Takes your breath away. And then he goes, he needs your help to help fulfill items on his bucket list. So the first item on his bucket list was have Michael meet Robinson Cano. And I was like, I can help with that. I think, right? Yeah. So I get the, I get the, I, first I call Mick and I was like, I, you know, and never did I feel so horrible than, um, not taking that meeting, thinking that something else was more important. Uh, so I, uh, after I call Mick and I apologize and, you know, he's crying, hell, he's got me crying. Uh, and I, uh, so I was like, all right, let me see what I can do to help. I, uh, so I pick up the phone and I call Brian Cashman and general manager of the Yankees. I call him and, uh, he answers the phone and I said, Brian, here's what I got. I got a retired, uh, New York police officer. Um, he has terminal brain cancer. Uh, he has a son who wants to meet Robinson Cano. He's got about two or three months to live. And he goes, done. Pick a day. Cashman's just, he's, Brian Cashman is, I can't tell everybody on this podcast enough how awesome of a guy Cashman is. Unbelievable. And I, uh, I said, great. So we pick a day and I, tell, I call Mick and I say, Mick, we're going to the Yankee Stadium. He goes, I'm going to get a limo. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So we take a limo down to, he asked me to go, right? I just kind of set it up for him, not thinking that I would have anything to do with it. He goes, do you want to come? I said, yeah, of course. I, I'll come with you. So it's me, Donna, his wife, Mick and his, uh, uh, Michael, I'm sorry, uh, uh, and Mick and his sister uh, taking a limo. From Scranton to New York City. New York City and Scranton's like two hours. Uh, so we get closer to New York City, and he's telling me he's like, I got, uh, I used to, it was a, I used to go bus guys over there for drugs. I used to hop over this fence. I was at a shootout over there, and he was kind of like telling me all these crazy things. So uh, we get, we're as we're kind of driving down, and you know, uh, this is 2013, right? So it's 12 years after. Yep. Um, and I, uh, I was like, so Mick, what, where were you on nine 11? And he goes, I, uh, he goes, when the, uh, when I, he goes, I, he wasn't at, he wasn't in the, you know, he wasn't on, he wasn't on duty, but then when the plane struck, he went right to city hall and begged to get a paddy wagon to go down to the site, uh, so that he could use the paddy wagon as an ambulance. And he thought that he would, you know, be the driver of this paddy wagon and go back and forth to the uh, hospital. And that's what he thought his job was going to be. And the you know, city hall said, yeah, go, go, go. Uh, so he went down there and he goes, for, I thought, I think there's a, a quote that he told me. He goes, I thought I was going to be asking for stretchers when all I was asking for was body bags. And... He said his job for the next two weeks 
was he ran the morgue. He ran the morgue. Ugh. Um, and he said people would bring him, they would find a finger. And they would bring him the finger. And that would be, they would, you know, I have no idea how the hell they did it. But, like, that would be the remains that they would have to get to their family. And he was in charge of organizing it and making sure everything was. He goes, I, he goes, I must have worked 20 hours a day, slept just a little bit, and go back and do it all over again the next day. And, uh, and he was down in that. And you got to think of, like, all that everything is just you know what caused his brain cancer right yeah um so when people bring up 9-11 and i think of mick and so then we get to uh yankee stadium uh and i'll never ever ever forget it so cashman hooks us up like we sit in the legend seats uh they're you know literally i don't know second or third row behind the dugout like in the you know like 10 grand a ticket or something whatever yeah, they were I'm eating crab legs with Mick, um, and right before the the game, uh, you know, it's they're, they're taking batting practice inside, and uh, Cashman's got a guy who's walking us around. He's like, "All right, come on." So we're into the uh, in, in underneath by the batting tunnel, and here comes Robinson Cano, and uh, they have Robinson Cano come over, uh, picture with Mick. Uh, picture with Michael Robinson Cano signs anything and everything forever. Mick is bawling, literally bawling his eyes out. Michael is bawling his eyes out. Don is bawling. I'm bawling just because of how emotional Mick is, right? I've never seen a human being so emotional right. over anything because Michael, his son, Robinson Cano was his favorite player, and that was the number one thing on his bucket list. To have any any part, little itty bitty piece of making that emotion come to fruition. I don't know, man. I, it doesn't get any, I guess better or worse than that because Mick's dead and he died, you know, a few months after that. And, you know, Michael's without a father, but like, I don't know, man. It was, uh, it's kind of tough to explain your emotions. Is like, I was so happy for that moment, but you also were like, you don't got much, like, I don't know. It's just hard, right? It's hard. And Mick it, is, you know, what he did during those days and is just, I don't know, tough. It's, but it, awesome. It's, Does that make sense? It's the epitome of the best answer and the power of this industry to inflict change and positivity in people's lives and create memories that will last forever and that is the beauty of what we do for a living yeah you can't have that effect on anybody else by just simply introducing a human being to another human being and making that moment because there isn't anything else like that like and that is the beauty of sports like that is what we as a society kind of need right now that healing, right? That, that moment yeah. that everybody goes and, but it, it's, you can't replicate that. And that's amazing. Like, that's amazing. That, that moment, even though it's for Mick and his son, Michael and Donna, you'll remember that for the rest of your oh, life. Oh, oh my God. I'm dying. I'm just like crying my eyes out. But there's like nothing remember better. When Mick died and we went to, you know, his funeral and all that stuff. And there's know, nothing, was... be- there's literally to have to be the power and the ability to make that, come to fruition 
by just simply asking and pick up the phone call is an amazing feeling and a, a position of power that's worth having, in my yeah. opinion. <laughs> There's also something on his bucket list. He'd like he wanted to go feed the giraffes at the zoo. And I was like, Mick, you can just like walk just in go. and feed the giraffes, right? Like it just happens, right? <laughs> you, just, he was a big there's giraffe some, guy. There some things in there that were just like funny to me. Just a big, big giraffe guy, huh? Yeah. Um, so if you go to my uh, Twitter page, um, uh, I tweeted about this on 9-11. Uh, and it, they did, there's a, a guy, Donnie Collins, he was the beat writer for us when we were in Scranton. He did a big, long article about this. And it's really, it, it was really well done. So if you want to have all the, excuse me, the details of the bucket list and everything and see Mick, um, uh, it's on my it's Great on my story. Amazing story. Do you want, want me to make you feel really old? Uh, uh, sure. No. Freshmen in, freshmen in college were not alive during 9-11. Huh. I was a sophomore in college. We were sophomores in college. We were. Yep. But freshman, current freshmen in college, some sophomores were not alive. It's, it's 19 years ago. My mom called me because uh, I was sleeping. I was skipping class, and I slept in, and my mom called me and because uh, I didn't have a cell phone, right? I didn't own a cell phone. Yep. Uh, so my mom called my dorm room. And was like, do you watch? Are you watching TV? Nope. No. Nope. Because in college, you don't turn the TV on until someone tells you to turn the TV on. Right. Anyway. So, amazing story. Yeah. We'll keep. I mean, that's. We'll go from. Uh, all we're all in the, we're in the fields right now, so we have a great, great, great announcement. Which is. Mm, our boy. Our boy. Michael. Scott is officially, officially a Major League Baseball employee with the Washington Nationals as a legal... He accepted, signed his letter, gave us two weeks. He begins as a legal extern October 1st. Almost a year to the day. It was funny. We were talk- he and I, it was almost a year to the day where we had an, our first informational interview call where i met michael and has still yet to be as impressed by someone who's gone as above and beyond and done all the hard work and you and i have promised him he would get into the business because people He's who just do working a lot, too hard he was doing yeah. too good of a job it wasn't too, a matter of if it was a no, matter of when yeah and he just got he just got derailed by a p- pandemic but didn't stop him there was days, and I'll be the first one to admit it, that seemed like he was getting a little frustrated, but we got him back on track and connected with our GC at the Red Sox, who put in a good word for him after he impressed her with the Washington Nationals. So Michael will begin his official sports career in about two weeks. So, a baby, Michael. And you've done a great job. You've really kind of taken Michael underneath your wing. Uh, yeah, no, I, look, I... This will get to. We're going to transition to the other side of the story, um, of what not to do. But he, he did this himself. Like I, he's been thanking me. Whatever it is nothing to do. Like I literally just would tell him that he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. But he was doing the extra work. He was doing the arbitration cases. He was ta- he was reaching out to GMs. He was having those conversations. He was going beyond the extra mile. Like there's the extra he's mile. Unbelievable. It was it's, craziness. He, he even then be, took over our social accounts completely just to say he's doing something. So when he talks to people, they're like, wow, 
bro, like you, you are nailing this. It's just right now we're in a pandemic. Luckily for him, situation arose with the Nationals. That position opened up. They typically do not fill it with post-grad <clears throat> students. It's usually meant for current law students. Because Mike is a, is a lawyer. He has a law degree. Because of the situation they're in and how much work they have to do, they considered him because of that, that he could just pick up and run from day one. Because yeah. you don't have to really train a, a lawyer, lawyer already, right? So he is over the moon as well as he should be. We've both of you, you and I have both told him, the whole mission that we had with him is for him to become very successful, hire the two of us <laughs> to make him more money and do less work. I would love that. But all lo- long story short, it just goes to show. We know what we're talking about, right? We <laughs> do know what we're talking about. <laughs> But first and foremost, I love how you turn Michael's no. uh, great stuff into like, hey, we're pretty damn good ourselves. No, we are pretty damn good. <laughs> but effort and attitude go a long, long, long get way. A for that. We do. And it is all because of his effort and his attitude. It has nothing to do with you or I, honestly, at the end of the day. Yeah, of course not. We're just listening to him and we're like a sounding board, but he put in all that effort and attitude. So for all you out there who are feeling down, discouraged, just keep going. It'll If you're doing the right things, it will happen. It just takes that key word, patience, that you and I talked about last week that we don't always have. I got no patience. It, was a, it took, it took him a year. Said. It took him a year. But he got to where he wanted to be. So huge congratulations. Super pumped. Super proud. Nice job, Michael. Does that mean we're in uh, the market for someone to run our social account? I don't know. Yeah, we might have. To. <laughs> um, like, oh man, we got. By the way, job posting. Michael job- is now fired. Uh, <laughs> front office features social account director. We'll Here. give you a director title. Um, but anyway, so we're like yes. a minor league baseball team. We'll give you yeah, whatever, whatever you want. Be vice whatever president of social. Matter. I don't care. We're, um, we're CEOs, co-founders. We are. Well, what we did. That's accurate. We founded oh, this no, together. We're yeah, co-founders. Yeah, no, co-founders. I think you're CEO. I don't know. No, just co-founders. Anyway, can we talk about something that is also in that same vein? Because uh, we just tweeted this out. Uh, Hillary Gorlin is the director of corporate communications at the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, and we just tweeted this. She, This is from her. Rejection sucks. It can feel like the end of the world, but please keep fighting. I applied to three jobs with the Trailblazers before ultimately getting a part-time 30-hour-a-week position. One of the jobs I applied for uh, with Trailblazers was an internship that I felt super qualified for. I'd recently, recently been laid off from my job, lived over 3,000 miles from home, and thought it was my big break to enter the sports industry. I had three interviews, made it to the final two people, and didn't get the job. I cried for weeks, thought I'd blown my one shot. Fast forward five years, I'm now the youngest director for the same NBA team that had rejected me for the internship. Sure, it's okay to be bummed. And sad and frustrated by rejection, then pick yourself up and keep grinding. Love the word grinding. But that's like this shit happens, right? Like yep. you don't get it all the time. And if you keep grinding and keep working through and, you know, Mike Scott uh, worked through through uh, pandemic to be able to get this uh, job with the Nationals. Um, you know, this thing isn't just like see a job apply, uh, on teamwork, apply, and it happens. It's a different process man this is just different well speaking of jobs indeed 
Indeed. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving. And that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you to the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, I have a job. I have an idea for Indeed. What's that? Indeed should have a sports division. They probably should. Right. Right now. Because, by the way, in about a year, there's going to be a lot of those postings. So you're probably not wrong. Right. I agree. Don't, don't hurt our friends at work in sports and teamwork. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsor jobs, which are shown to be there, but shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Sponsor Indeed, jobs as like they sponsor, like the company sponsors or like... So like the company will pay Indeed. Job. No, the, comp- the company will pay Indeed to have a sponsored posting. So it's bumped uh, up. Got it. Yep, yep. So, with 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. 3 million, that's a lot. Of, that's a lot. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com com slash podcast this is their best offer available anywhere go right now to indeed.com slash podcast terms and conditions apply offer valid through september 30th so uh indeed great site lots of jobs i had a call for the ages this past week that i actually called michael scott to tell him about because i was so (laughs) was it good no, I was no, so no. so the opposite of that. No, I was so taken back that I had to call him and be like, "I need to talk to you because I know you you're good at doing these things." So like, I need to talk to someone who knows what the hell they're doing. I got asked to do an informational interview with somebody looking to work in sports PR. I get on the, this okay. person had just graduated. I get on the phone. This person asked me what I do for a living. Who oh, I good. Wo- who I work for. Hold on, wait. Who you? How did you get connected with this person? Their, their, their parent. Oh, jeez. So, anyway, I. That's the worst. By the way, if your parents are setting up, was this like a partner sponsor? No. Like, <laughs> hey, someone, like, no. You want, you want the good story? Or daughter? Someone I met on the train commuting, probably over a year ago, because I haven't been on the train. I don't know how long, because I'm in the office. Who reached out to me and said, "Hey, I remember talking to you. If I, my daughter graduated, would you be happy to connect?" Said, "Sure." You really will talk to anyone. I will see. I I promise that I will do it. <laughs> so, I get on the phone. I'm like, "So, did you? Do you have any connections in the industry?" No, I just graduated, so I haven't started networking yet. Oh <laughs> my! I was like, "Oh, okay." I have a podcast like, for you to listen to. So no, no, I didn't even want. I didn't, didn't even want it. Um, so then you didn't want her as a listener. No, is it her? I, or he? I was her. I was so appalled by this conversation. 
so then I was like, all right, so what do you want to do? Well, you know, I think I'd be really good at doing this, but I really don't want to do the other stuff. I was like, oh my Lord. I was like, okay. Anyway, let's keep going. I was like, so do you have any questions for me? And she's like, no, not really. I think you've been very helpful. I'm like, I have helpful. I haven't even said, I haven't done, this has been literally 10 minutes. I was like, I haven't said anything. I told her your only thing you should be doing right now is networking with people in the business to start picking their brains about what opportunities are out there and having that connection that if a job does open. Anyway, Michael, this is good job. She needs to go on Indeed and look for a job not in sports because it ain't happening. And like, if it does... How does that happen? Where did you go to know. school? Who? What kind of I, what kind of advice so that, did they I don't get? Want to, I don't want to say, but it it's an expensive school too, and that's why, like, I was like, "Oh my lord, what do they teach you there?" What kind of advice did they get? <laughs> I don't know. She she's graduate. She's no internships. She didn't do an internship in college. No. How do you even graduate college without an internship? <laughs> she didn't do an internship. She didn't. Have, this is not networked at all. She did not ask. She didn't. She didn't look me up. Didn't know who I was or what I who I worked for, what I did. Had no questions, zero, zero. Que- the the call lasted twelve minutes. I think twelve minutes. You would have lasted twelve minutes longer than I would have. I was I was I called Michael. You're very nice. Was Mike. this the person like asking for money on the train or like what kind of person? <laughs> no. What what are no, you doing? So I I I know what town this person gets on. Oh yeah, so it, well 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 off. Well, well off. Um, Jeez, yeah, man. Probably the richest town in Massachusetts, quite frankly. One of those W towns. Yeah, Wellesley. Um, Wellesley, So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So the only way this person is getting into our business is because of some connection that ends up being not the right... They, they didn't have one. I know, I know, I know. But God knows what happens with money. Who knows? But this person should not work in our business, does not deserve to work in our business. And yeah, that's... Don't do that. If you have a networking call, have questions. Know who the hell you're talking to. Come with something that I can yeah, at least be, work with. Be Mike Scott. Be uh, uh, you don't have to be Mike Scott. Just be something in between that. Like to just do something. Holy like... Holy buckets. Yeah, I uh, did not leave me warm and fuzzy, and I was like, I wasted 12 minutes of my life that I'll never get back. So, how did you last 12 minutes? Did I ever tell you the time that I stopped an interview in the middle of it? You did. Yeah, you did. Yeah, just, you're not the right person and I left. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I I, was kind of, I wasn't, and I, I don't know if it's because, I don't know. How can I you wasn't, do that? How can you last 12 minutes for someone that was like, I would have been so frustrated. I just kept I'd giving just advice. Like, I just kept giving advice. I couldn't help it. I was like, I'm going to try maybe. You're a good person. You're she, a good person. She said I'm a I was, terrible person. She said it was helpful. And I'm like, I don't even, I don't know what I said, honestly. I was just BSing. They don't even just know what the word helpful means. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It wasn't good. I'm sorry if you're listening. I don't think you are because of course not. Yeah, that would be. I don't know. Yeah, that's. I'm sorry you had to go through that. Back to but college. It makes you feel like uh, the Mike Scotts. You know what she the- should do? You know what she really should do? She should go to San Diego State. She should go to San Diego State. Go to. Uh, Scott Minto, do uh, over, and the whole sports NBA. He might have better candidates than her, but I mean, he should. She should go start over and get into the program and start her networking while she's doing that. By the way, how about little Jackie Tipton, now vice president of uh, the Penguins? I just saw Uh that on his uh, on his LinkedIn. 
Little Bike. Jackie Tipton LVP. Uh, is going to run the world. Maybe he'll hire me one day. You can go back to Pittsburgh. Go Steelers. How'd that work out? No, no, let's not talk about that. My wife would never go to Pittsburgh, I don't think. I've never Pittsburgh's been to an underrated I, city. Yeah, I've heard that. I've never been to Pittsburgh. Uh, it's, uh, I don't remember. How, I basically just go back for funerals now. Um, <laughs> well, that's morbid. I know, but that's, uh, you know. Uh, but anyway, uh, it's actually really nice. I've been to a couple Steeler games there. Uh, so, but uh, Pittsburgh is definitely not the you know steel mill coal. Uh, yeah, I've heard it's. it's I've like heard it's like an up and coming. Yeah, I've heard it's up and coming town. It is. It's great. I, I, I anyway, I enjoyed Pittsburgh. The uh, other news in Major League Baseball, which our team will not have to worry about, though. Did you see the bubble? They're MLB going. Bubble? They're, they're 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 bubbling, right? San Diego, L.A., Texas. The World Series is in with the new Rangers ballpark, Globe Life. Um, I like and they're they're going to try fans. By the way, they're 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 trying to figure it out. Like they're trying to find a way to have. A I'm anxious li- to see the um, the contact tracing from these football games, right? Because there's a handful of college sports that are going uh, college football that's having them. You know, a handful of NFL I, teams. Yeah, I I find it very odd that the NFL hasn't had a COVID positive, like not one player just. Nobody's got COVID in the NFL. Like fifty-three man <laughs> roster, they're not bubbling. I mean, MLB had like three teams like go down in the first weekend. Like, yeah, right? Nobody yeah, missed training camp. Are you are you smelling that conspiracy theory? No, not a conspiracy theory. I just I, it do just, I hear. Is that what they're, is they're, that? I guess they're just really good at staying home and going nowhere else. I guess I don't know. And tackling each other and sweating on each other. And I don't know. It's just, I guess I guess I don't know. By good the way. For them. Um, the Big Ten, they're playing now too, right? Oh, yeah. Like, I don't, I don't even want to talk about NC. I don't want to talk about it. So is that – do they, you think that's like the parents that like threw it well, off? Well, they did. Like the, 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 the athletes did. The the parents did. The president did. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know what, what what changed in three weeks. It was it was not possible to play because it was not safe. And now three weeks later, it's it's fine. I'm like, uh, what? It's just – I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I all I know is college campuses are a disaster right now. Like, BC is like, we might have to shut down. People are closing within days of opening because they're like, oh, wait, everyone has COVID. They're partying. What's going on? So, yeah. Yeah, they're being college kids. Exactly. Like, a Northeastern kicked out 11 kids the first weekend. I know, and they're making them pay the whole year. Tuition. <laughs> like, imagine being that kid, like, telling mom, dad, I got kicked out, and I lost $36,000 because it's seventy grand to go to Northeastern. Um Seventy thousand dollars to go to Northeastern. Yeah, BC's like eighty thousand now. What? Yeah, man. Nolan better get that scholarship because <laughs> to mortgage oh. your home three times over to pay for college in about Goodness. eighteen years. So, with you know, we talked a lot about um, uh, you know with uh, Mike Scott and uh, Hillary grinding like. These people now, you know, they see sports kind of coming back together and, you know, you giving advice to the person on the train. Um, <laughs> throw uh, her off the You train. know, what do you, you know, now that I think it's a little bit different than we first started talking about, I guess, networking in when COVID, when we were talking about this in June, right? It feels like we people need to adjust their approach. What would your suggestion be on like an approach now Though it's still tepid, right? I mean, the Braves just announced that they laid off a whole bunch of people, and 
and, and it's not like it's it's gonna get worse. It's boom. gonna get. I'm just gonna tell you, it's gonna get worse before it gets better. But like, but then there's jobs like Mike Scott, right? He just got a job in uh, in. Oh, there's gonna be baseball. there's gonna be there's gonna be segments and departments that fare better than others, for sure. Um, but there's gonna be significant layoffs across baseball coming, probably once the season ends. Yeah. The um, I wonder too. If, but I didn't uh, answer. Your, I didn't really answer your question. But uh, to answer your question, so like, it, what what do you? I just feel like the tenor should be different than, you know, we were talking about an empathetic reach out, uh, in in June and April and May, right? Of like having those types of discussions now. What do you think? Like the feeling should be. I guess. What do you think the tone of the reach out should be? What do you think? What what what's your thought on that? I don't think it needs to be empathetic as much as it just needs to be aware, right? Just be yeah. self-aware, be aware of the situation, be aware of the league, the team. If you're reaching out to an NBA and NHL team, they're facing some really tough uphill battles coming for their upcoming season. Baseball is still in the thick of things. This is what I would do, honestly, based on what's probably about to happen in a lot of the teams and a lot of the organizations is shoot high. Like, I'd be reaching out to higher level people than you typically might have ever thought you would have because they're probably safer traditionally um, in these situations. And what's going to happen, we've been talking about this for months, what's going to happen is that people are going to lose their jobs or be furloughed. They're going to have to make life decisions and a lot of them are going to leave the business. They already have. Like, the one of the teams in Boston made the decision months ago to lay off and furlough a ton of people. A lot of those people left and they can't get them back and they're having they're struggling filling those voids because they had to move on with their life. You can't live off of unemployment. Like if you have a family. Yeah, right. So again, it's going to go back to what you talked about with Mike Scott. The patience game is going to be tested. There are going to be opportunities that come out on the back end of this. There's been a much more positive thought that the back end of 2021 is going to look better than the front end of 2021 for some sports. I mean, how, how, Oh, I'm the 2021. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, not 2020. Um, so like next football season, next hockey season, next basketball season look positive. The next six to eight months don't. Um, so while there are going to be positions, there's going to be esports is not going to miss a beat, right? So like yeah. if you, there's going to be things like that. The media side of things, they'll still be broadcasting. They're going to be still bringing in money. There's ways to still get into the business. You just have to be open minded and creative, but. The networking thing, I'm, I'm not going to lie, is really tough right now. Because if you were to reach out to our organization right now, not sure you get a response. I, except you. You'll talk to the whole I will. Person. I'll respond. Yeah, go ahead. Reach out to me. I'll definitely respond. <laughs> <laughs> There's no doubt. <laughs> Send your cousins, your aunts, your uncles. I'll talk to anybody. What about, what would you do? I mean, what would what, how would you send a note right now to someone that's working in, say, baseball? I'm trying to get a friend of a friend first, right? So I'm trying to get, instead of a cold reach out to someone in the Red Sox organization, is there a way that I could figure out a way to get a warm intro into somebody in the Red Sox organization, right? Like knowing someone who might know somebody. I don't know. If but you're was, like but you're like 20 years old or 21, though that likelihood is low, right? Your network is not expansive like you and i can find someone who knows someone in any organization at this point yeah but i do think that there's still that 
ability, right? Or I would try and find, like, um, I don't know, maybe you start somewhere, like, through your college and there's an alumni network, right? And I'm going to my alumni network and there's someone I want to talk to at the uh, at the New York Giants. I might, instead of me reaching out to the person at the Giants, like there's a, some big alum, uh, alum at the Giants, I might have the person at the college do it because then it feels like I'm doing something for the college rather than this random person reaching out. You see what I'm saying? No, I totally. I think if you can have someone make the introduction, the, not, the likelihood of you getting an information interview is yeah, 99%. Because right? it's so way it's higher. The, I think that you'd be more productive. It might be less efficient, but I think it'd be more productive if you utilize some sort of warm introduction. Um, and if I'm 20 or 21 years old, I think... Well, yeah, you can have. And if mom, I don't have a mom network, on, if your mom's on a train, runs into somebody, you can absolutely make that work. <laughs> right, but that worked. Uh, but I mean, you, no, you know I know what I'm you're saying. saying. Like, Come, you know, if you have an in and you can find that in, and somehow, that person emails, even me, if it was like they knew me, like I got someone who reached out to me yesterday that says, "Hey, do you know anybody at uh, there was a, a, another minor league baseball team?" And not gonna lie, usually that is, yeah, of course I know somebody there. Um, and they're like, can I make an intro to maybe, you know, you can help him out. He applied for a sales job. And I'm like, all right, fine. Um, I'll do that. Uh, but I think it's better to try and figure out the warm intro way than the cold reach out way right now. Because I think it's I, – I think people in NBA – NHL, I'm going to call definitely minor league baseball um, and major league baseball. There's so much uncertainty that the, everyone's kind of on a little bit of pins and needles. Yeah, there's a lot of people worried about their own job, let alone helping you get a job. Just going right. to be quite honest. Like, yeah, right, right. That's just but it is I still think, But I do think there's – so there's that part of me. But there's also a part of me that totally disagrees with that. Like people in general want to help. Oh, I'm not saying to stop. I'm saying I would. That's what I'm saying. I'd aim higher, like positions yeah. that you might not think you'd ever reach out to. VPs, SVPs, totally. Presidents. Go for it. Yeah, right. CROs. We talked about. We, we just talked about this not too long ago. It was we're go trying to, to get C- some more go guests to the and C- everything. Go to the CEO. Go to the president. Go for it. What do you got yeah. to lose? Nothing. Nothing. Um, by the way, um, just don't be. We, here's the only advice I'd give you: don't be tone deaf. Describe tone deaf. What do, what do you mean? Like, nice win on Saturday? or No, no, that's fine. I, I, I don't know why. Some of them, remember we talked about that. People get aggravated by mentioning wins or losses. I don't know why that. Stupid. I don't know why. Like, if you, if you so what's to, tone deaf to you? What's tone deaf to you? Describe it. What wouldn't you say? What would you say? What wouldn't you say? You just got to have some kind of acknowledgement of what's going on. Like, you just can't be like, hey, I graduated. Like, what's all in it for me, right? Hey, I graduated. I'm looking for a job. Blah, blah, blah. Like, you just got to have some sort of softer approach acknowledge it doesn't be empathy just like acknowledging i understand the business is facing challenges right within those challenges i understand i might have to be patient i still am going through the process to make sure that i'm best prepared for when those challenges are gone there you go i'd love to acknowledge it of course acknowledge it own it be like look i get it this sucks this is completely this is not the way i like ever envisioned my post-graduation 
networking calls to be going, but here we are. I'm not letting that stop me. I'm staying positive. Like, put it on the table. Like, talk openly, differently. Like, don't be tone deaf. Because then, like, you're like, if you are, you're like, does this person read the news? Like, you know what I mean? Like, don't be like that guy with the head in the sand. Be that person who's confronting their issues, confronting their problems, coming with solutions, and saying, I know I might have to be patient. And I know that there's going to be a, an uphill battle. But I know when the battle is over, I'm going to be there helping you become better on the other side of it. Boom. Done. See you later. Boom. Now that is the advice you end the podcast on. Do we? I think so. Okay, good. And by the way, so. I am sweating right now. This sweatshirt. I don't know what's going on. Well, it's <laughs> not <laughs> It's not February. It's like 45 degrees out. It's not that cold. Where, where are you living? Alaska? I, look at the weather in Massachusetts. It's like 45 degrees right now. I'm not exaggerating. It's going to be 30s. It's going to be 30s in the coming days. It went from 95 to like 30. Toughen up, buttercup. Well, now I'm hot, though. I'm just like sitting here sweating. So we got to wrap this up. we got to wrap this up. All right. All right. I'll later. See you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.